the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. For complete details, please visit up. The following program is sponsored by the Tr- Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth from Philip DeCourcy. In a world that is constantly churning and turning in the wrong direction, it's great to know that God is there for us. The Father, Son, and Spirit don't meet for emergency talks on how they're going to handle CNN's breaking news because His Word stands forever. His love is steadfast. His mercy on feeling He's an ever-present help in time of trouble. God doesn't offer us mere platitudes. He gives us tangible truths that we can rely on in good times and bad. Like the verse in Psalm 46 that says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And we can trust in His promises. Welcome to Know the Truth. Today our teacher, Philip DeCourcy, calls us to keep calm and carry on. Let's join Philip for this encouraging message that offers a biblical perspective for relying on God when we face personal problems or national threats. Psalm 46 is such a pressing and helpful passage for us to come to because its message is one of be still, don't fear, give whatever situation you're going through into God's hands. As we turn to Psalm 46, we encounter a section of Scripture which tells us to keep calm and carry on. In the face of natural disaster, in the face of national peril, you and I, as the ancient people of God, can remain fearless. We can be still. We can be calm because the Lord of hosts is with us and the God of Jacob is our refuge. We can fortify our souls against fear by taking refuge in God. We can calm down by looking up. So let's keep calm and carry on. Let's be still and know that He is God in all matters, large and small. Most commentators agree, and I agree with most commentators, that the background of Psalm 46 is God's deliverance of the people of Israel during the time of Sennacherib's invasion of Judah and the besieging of the city of Jerusalem. You see, these are unsettling on certain times, and in the face of our circumstances and the crisis we're seeing across the world, there is only one safe place, and it is in God's presence. So let's turn to our text. There's three things we're going to see, and that is verses 1 to 3, what I'm calling the refuge, verses 4 to 7, the river, verses 8 to 11, the rest. Security is not the absence of danger, it's the presence of God. And that's the theme of Psalm 46. He's our refuge when the mountains shake and the waters swell. He's our river in the midst of circumstance in which we're being besieged. He's telling us to be still 
in the context of spears and bows and chariots and war. And it's something you and I need to remind ourselves that, biblically speaking, security is not the absence of danger. It's the presence of God in the midst of danger. I love Psalm 23, verse 5. He spreads a table before me, what? In the presence of my enemies. He doesn't always remove the enemy. It's been well said. God sometimes calms the storms, but most of the time he calms his children in the storm. That's what we're learning about here. So here's a natural break. And in verses 1 to 3, we see the refuge. Even though the earth be removed, the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, the waters roar and be troubled, the mountains shake with the swelling. The images there are of earthquakes and storms. This is a metaphor for national peril. The pillars of a stable society are being shaken. Sennacherib is at the gate. Hundreds of thousands of Assyrian soldiers are bloodthirsty and want to commit genocide in the city of Jerusalem. Scary. Scary times. In fact, I think I've reason to believe that because when you take that language of raging oceans and mountains moving, look at verse 6. The nations raged and the kingdoms were moved. Could I put it like this? And I think you'll be able to identify with it. This was a 9-11 for Judah. And the people are beside themselves. Panic, fear, anxiety. They're wondering what it all truly means. And so in the midst of this, God proves himself to be a refuge. We're looking back here. This is a celebration. And as we look back on that deliverance of Judah by God, we realize God is our refuge and strength, says the people of God. A very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. In the midst of the upset and the upheaval, they find a safe place. They find a refuge. They find a mighty fortress for the people of God. And it was God himself. Well, everything else is moving. They ran to the God who's immovable, who's sovereign, whose ways are perfect and whose ways are just. There was no need to fear because God remained unmoved by the commotion, by the chaos. There was no panic in heaven, only plans. And this image is repeated again and again of God being a refuge and being a stronghold. Let me give you a couple of verses that will reinforce this. Go back to Psalm 18 and verses 1 and 2. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. See, back then, there were cities and walls. And when something threatened the people who were out in the village, in their homes, doing their work, out in the fields, as soon as they heard about a threat, what did they all do? They ran into the castle. And the writer's taking that image And saying, look, we were locked up behind the walls of Jerusalem, but our trust wasn't in brick and mortar. Our trust was in Jehovah. He's our refuge. He's our stronghold. This is the image. You'll find it over in Psalm 91. Psalm 91, you know, where we read, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Is that what you've been saying to yourself this past week? When you felt besieged by issues, by circumstances, maybe by your own thoughts and fears and anxieties? Have you said to yourself, you need to, He's my refuge, 
He's my fortress, and you're running there. Whether we're dealing with things personal or public, there's no panic in heaven, only plans. God is sovereign. He's working all things out after the counsel of His own will. The Father, Son, and Spirit don't meet for emergency talks on how they're going to handle CNN's breaking news because His Word stands forever. His love is steadfast. His mercy unfailing, His power, a present reality in each of our lives. He's an ever-present help. In a world that is constantly churning and turning in the wrong direction, it's great to know that God is there for us, an ever-present help in time of trouble. He doesn't take the weekend off. You don't wrap on the door of heaven only to find a sign that hangs out there, going to lunch, I'll be back in an hour. He's an ever-present help. He's eternal. He has existed in the fullness and the glory of who He is, and He is available to us in that fullness at any moment because He abides forever. In fact, it's interesting when we read here a present help, it could be translated help from of old. Help from of old. God is a timeless help, and God is a timely help. We made the allusion to the fact in verse 5 of Psalm 46 that God indeed helped them at the break of day. The threat came. The letter arrived in Hezekiah's lap. He goes into the temple. He spreads the matter before the Lord. He is still. He trusts God to defend the people of God, to be good to the covenant he made. And during the night, God slays 185,000 Assyrians. He sends the rest of them home packing to Nineveh, never to come back. They stared, it said, in Nineveh. And the people of God get up at the break of day. He's a timeless help and a timely help. I like that because it reminds me, you know what? Maybe it isn't tomorrow morning, but you can get up some morning and God will have sorted it all out. God will have answered the prayer. The question is, are you going to trust Him in the meantime? The question is, will you be still in the belief that He is God? That's where you and I need to go. We need to take refuge in who God is. We need to run there in our minds and focus upon His wisdom, His sovereignty, His mercy, His love, His patience. Because we read in Isaiah 26, verse 3, Thou will keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed fixed on you. God's our refuge. In fact, let me give you one other verse and actually bounce onto it for a couple of minutes. I love Proverbs 18, verse 10. You write it down and I'll quote it to you. The name of the Lord is a strong tower into which the righteous run and are safe. See, God's our refuge. And what we know about God gives us a sense of safety. Psalm 23, we know well. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. He doesn't fear and he doesn't want. The two things we want most in life are security and a sense of sufficiency. And we have that in God. And I told you, when I was growing up, there was an older man in our church who took me under his wings, a man called John Foster. He had no children following the Lord. And he prayed for them often. But he tended to adopt young men in the church to be like his spiritual sons. And since his own children weren't listening to him, he loved to disciple us. 
And he took me under his wing. And one day he said, Philip, I want you to show something. And he took me to Psalm 23. And he said, Philip, have you ever thought about the names of God? Jehovah Ra'a, the Lord is my shepherd. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord is my provider. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is my peace. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord is my healer. Jehovah Sekenyu, the Lord is my righteousness. Jehovah Shama, the Lord ever present. Jehovah Nissa, the Lord our banner. Those names are found throughout the word of God. He says, you'll find them all in Psalm 23. I said, John, show me. And he said, well, there you go. The Lord is my shepherd, Jehovah Ra'a. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, Jehovah Jireh. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters, Jehovah Shalom, my peace. He restores my soul, Jehovah Rapha, my healer. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake, Jehovah Sekenu, my righteousness. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, Jehovah Shammah, the ever-present God. He prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies, Jehovah Nissa, the Lord our banner. And then you see Jehovah Raha and Jehovah Jireh in verses 5 and 6 with the anointed head, the cup overflowing, and indeed God supplying his goodness and mercy. I mean, think about that. Just in that one psalm, all the names of God turn up. And when you and I meditate upon who God is, and we look at his names, and we reflect on his person, and we measure his character, and we embrace his promises. The name of the Lord is a strong tower into which the righteous run and are safe. Is it any wonder David said, I shall not want? Is it any wonder David said, I will not fear? Because when he ran into the names of God and contemplated who God was, what a refuge, what a resource. And that's the message of verses 1 to 3. Before I leave it, let me tell you, some years ago I preached a version of this, not the exact message, in a church in Ohio that I was pastoring. During the week, one of the doctors in our church, a man by the name of Tom Holloway, was a really godly man, sent me a little story. And in the email he said, Pastor, I was reflecting this week, when I was an intern in a hospital before you know, passing my exams to become a doctor in and of myself. The doctor I was interning with used to say to me, Tom, don't worry. Because you can imagine, you know, you're an intern in a hospital. You're learning the ropes, so to speak. And, you know, you may be left in a ward or even the ER with a patient. And as much as you know, you're scared to death. What will I do if this happens? And this doctor would always say to Tom, Tom, don't worry. The worst thing that can happen is that the patient will code. And if that happens, you'll have the whole hospital coming to your help. It's a wonderful image, isn't it? You know, the intern, it's two o'clock in the morning. Somebody's wheeled in on the gurney, gunshot. And he's out of his league. You know, I don't want to lose a life. But at that moment, he's got to remember what that doctor said to him. Don't panic. If you're out of your depth, the whole hospital will come to help you and help you get through this. And then he said this, I often don't focus on this ever-present strength God makes available to me. See, he's kind of making the analogy that when you and I are in the ER of life, in the emergency rooms of life, we need to remind ourselves, don't panic, don't worry, because all of heaven has promised to come to our help. 
The Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. All the fullness of God is there as a refuge and a strength, an ever-present help in time of trouble. So don't fear when the oceans swell and the mountains shake. That's the refuge. What about the river? This is the next natural break in the psalm, verses 4 through 7. There is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her like a river he is. She shall not be moved. He'll help her while the nations rage and while the kingdoms are moved. He'll utter his voice and the earth will melt. What a contrast, folks. In verses 1 through 3, you've got the image of raging waters and foaming oceans. The image of the storm. And that rattles you. That rattles you. Puts you on the edge of your nerves, makes you uneasy. So on the one hand, the text contrasts this image of raging water with a river that quietly flows in the midst of the city. And this river, I take it to be an image of God himself in the midst of his people, refreshing them, supplying their need. So there are waters that rattle the people of God, make them nervous, and there are waters that refresh the people of God, making them immovable. Now, let me kind of drill down into this. I think there is an historical background to this. Can we identify streams in the midst of the city of God, in the midst of Jerusalem? We can. Now, the interesting thing is about Jerusalem, it has no natural water source. It's not built by a river like most of the ancient cities. You know, if you study it, you'll see that Babylon had the Euphrates, Damascus had the Barada. Nineveh, from which the Assyrian army came, had the Tigris. But all the city of Jerusalem had was the springs of Gihon outside the city walls, which if the enemy got their hands on, they could basically cut off the water source to the city, and the city's being besieged. You can understand where that goes. They'd have to surrender out of thirst. They'd be starved out, all of that. Now, King Hezekiah, if you read 2 Samuel 5, verse 8, he realizes this, and so he builds a tunnel. He actually covers the springs of Gihon. He sends the water underground through an aqueduct or through a tunnel. Anybody been to Hezekiah's tunnel in Jerusalem? I have. If you go to the city of Jerusalem, you can take a tour within the city of David within the walls of Jerusalem. It's called Hezekiah's Tunnel. It's not very wide. If you're claustrophobic, you won't do it. It's complete dark. You take a torch or a headlamp, and it's a good 40-minute walk. It's scary. You'll be ducking. You'll be turning. In fact, they started on the outside, and they started on the inside, and they met in the middle. In terms of engineering, it's miraculous. In fact, you know when you get to the middle, because there's a little bit of a zigzag, where they don't miss each other, but they almost missed each other. And the water came into the city. And it made glad the city of God. The people had a water source during the besieging of the city. Now, that's the historical background. But the writer here goes, hey, that's just an image of God's goodness. The image of God's presence among his people, ever flowing, always supplying what they need. There is a river. You could say, well, is he talking about Hezekiah's tunnel? Yes, but no. The river in mind here is God himself. 
God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her. He will supply what the people of God need. Now, I don't have time to do this study with you. I'll give you the verses for your own study. In Genesis 2, verses 10 through 13, we have a river that symbolizes the ever-flowing stream of God's goodness and glory. It's in the Garden of Eden. In Ezekiel 47, 1 to 12, you have the image of the river flowing out of the rebuilt temple and millennial kingdom. Again, the presence of God in the image of a ceaseless flow of water, streams, and rivers. And when you get to the new earth and the new heaven in Revelation 22, verses 1 to 2, again, you'll see a river in the midst of the people of God. And so, rivers bring life. And this river, God's presence, God's provision among His people brings joy and peace and life and love. There are rivers of delight His people can draw upon in the midst of all that they are going through. Folks, keep that in mind when life seeks to starve you of hope, tries to rob you of your peace. You remember that you have a refuge in God. And you have a river in God. And He wants to supply you His grace. You know I've gone to John 1.16 on several occasions. I love it. Where we read of the Lord Jesus, of His fullness we have received grace for grace. And I've shared with you how Bishop Hanley Mould, the great English expositor, helps us to see that the Greek there means instead of. The little preposition there, for, means instead of. Grace instead of grace, or grace in the place of grace. And he likes to take the image of a river, and you can stand on its banks, and you can contemplate the flow of the waters. A minute passes and another. It's the same stream, but it's not the same water. That water has been displaced by other water. That water has been replaced by other water. And that's the image of John 1.16, of Christ's fullness. And remember, He's God, so fullness is full and enough. Of His fullness, we have received grace replacing grace. What a picture. Saving grace, serving grace, suffering grace, sacrificing grace, singing grace. One type of grace being replaced by another type of grace, hour by hour, day by day. That's Philip DeCourcy, and you're listening to Know the Truth. Today's message called Keep Calm and Carry On from our Maximum Security series. To hear this sermon again or to get related Bible study resources, go to ktt.org. There's little doubt that the stage is being set for the return of Christ, but until then, we need to be at work for the gospel. That means sharing God's life-giving truth with friends and neighbors and strangers. While elections matter and we must fight for justice and fairness in our world, the change we really need is Jesus. Share the gospel with people in your community when you make a generous gift to know the truth. Today, more than ever, we have more opportunity to send God's truth out to the lonely and hurting, the confused and disenchanted. Radio and the Internet have the potential to reach millions every day. And this time of year, your gifts are even more crucial. We rely on year-end donations to balance our books and to get positioned to begin a new year of ministry. So, won't you prayerfully consider making your most generous donation today? Every dollar you give goes right to delivering these daily Bible teaching messages. 
Give today when you call 888-644-8811 or donate online at ktt.org. You can also mail your year-end gift to Know the Truth, Post Office Box 30250, Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. And when you give, we'll send you the just-released Know the Truth Journal. It's perfect for recording your Bible study notes or prayers. Get your copy today when you call in your donation to 888-644-8811. In addition, when you call in for the first time, we'll also send you a free CD message from Philip titled, Peace on Earth. Use it to share the gospel with a friend. Again, reach out to us by phone at 888-644-8811. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us tomorrow when Philip DeCourcy presents a powerful conclusion to the Maximum Security series. Don't miss Friday on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Everybody's making money at it except you. You're losing holiday business to your online competitors. Talk to us at Salem Surround, digital marketing experts who offer a free analysis of your online marketing effectiveness and suggest methods that could dramatically increase your sales coming out of this season. There are no limitations on where you can reach customers with Salem Surround, increasing sales dramatically. Learn more by logging on to surrounddc.com. That's surrounddc.com. The shepherd goes out of their way to bring that one little lamb back in. As a mom or a dad, you're shepherding your child. On Focus on the Family Minute, Dr. Kevin Lehman shares this. He uses the rod to guide the sheep. He uses the rod to separate the, the fur. He uses it sometimes to give them a little shot in the tail to move along when they need to move along. I'm here on the behalf of all the sheep in North America. <laughs> They're not stupid. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.